Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line, as always, is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, I've been saying it all along, this format is great. <laughs> ben, what uh, what has caused you to change your tune to be so positive? I mean, I opened two hourglass covens, much <laughs> like you do in a sealed pool yesterday, and got the 7-1 in the, the first day of the Mythic Championship qualifier. Feels good, man. Does feel good. Ben sent me the picture <laughs> of his six rares in Discord yesterday morning with the two hourglass covens. And I was like, what the heck? As I'm looking at like cobbling together red, white, double splash, bunch of nonsense. But I also also got the seven wins yesterday. Surprise, surprise. I definitely felt like I was on borrowed time. I played I thought I played very tight and I also got very lucky with some top decks. Shout out to Carlac flipping to the white side and Red Dragon for some wins for me. Hashtag believe was the phrase of the day yesterday. Hashtag. Well, that, that was your phrase of the day yesterday. Yes. <laughs> Hashtag believe. I was I texted Ben or I messaged Ben uh, that I was four one. I was like, I feel like I'm on borrowed time with this deck. And you were like, you're like one time or I guess three times, three times, one time. <laughs> Easy baby, and you did it. We got there. We did it. Yeah. So we are recording Sunday morning before uh, competing in day two. But uh, I don't know. What do you think? What do you think the odds are of you or I qualifying for the PT? It's it's kind of incredible that you have to go seven one on both days. That is wild. It's got to be an exceptionally small number of people, and the competition is going to be way harder today again. Although so much of it is dictated by the pool that you open, it's just right. a weird thing. I mean that. Yesterday had to be harder than day one of a GP, yeah? I guess. Yeah. Well, wait, why is that? Because I think the competition level on average has got to be way higher. Oh, I mean, it's the sure. the top 1,200 people in the world plus people, not the- whatever, on the not in the world, but on the arena ladder, you know, like mm-hmm. rather than just like your local people in the US that are driving from two and three hours away plus the best people in the world, you know? Well, it's, it's less, right? Because it's only top 250 queue in and then everybody else could have gotten in through the play-in points. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, which we should talk about. Those events are actually I'd never done one before. Those events are like pretty good EV. Just lucrative EV. Yeah. Like so. And for for folks out there who are, I don't know, we don't do a lot of like gaming the arena economy thing or anything, but like save your gold for these events because entering with gold into the plan is way better than entering with gems. Entering with gold is the equivalent of two drafts. Entering with gems is the equivalent of almost three drafts. So you, and you get if you just get one win in the best of three one, you get like two thirds of your entry feedback. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. And I think in general, the, the best way to sum it up is if you want to play like competitive events on arena, save your gold because the arena open is also cheaper to enter with gold. Yeah. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, convert your convert your gems to gold and then don't. I think people think like, oh, gems cost money. Gold is in-game currency. I'll spend my gold first. But you really should be doing the opposite, I think, if, if you're playing the competitive events, that is. Amen. All right. So speaking of sealed, I think no better time for you and I off the heels of our 7-1 victories yesterday to talk about sealed in preparation for the arena open next weekend, which is limited as well for Alchemy Horizons Baldur's Gate. Day one will be sealed. You can either do best of one or best of three sealed and then day two will be drafts and the prize structure is actually different now rather than draft a deck and then play it for all the rounds you draft a deck and then if you 3-0 you draft again and if you win the first round i think in your next pod that's 
caching, right? That's getting $1,000 and then $2,000 for the next win and then $2,500 for going a clean 6-0 on day two. Yeah, this is just an awesome change. It feels way more attainable and it also feels like it's going to take way less time, both of which are outstanding upgrades in my opinion. Like <laughs> even with a medium draft or whatever, you can 3-0, right? Like that feels mm-hmm. doable. Like so you don't feel yeah. like you need to draft the nuts like you did before. At least that was my mentality going into it. Like yes, I had to get an excellent, excellent deck. Like you can draft, draft normal. 3-0, draft again, get a win, you're in the cash. It just feels so much more doable. And I imagine like statistically, they're not planning on paying out thousands of dollars more or whatever, you know, so I'm sure it is not more doable, but it just feels so much better as a participant. I agree. Yeah. Having to do whatever it was like seven. No, I guess it was eight wins if to get the $2,500 prize. Eight wins with a draft deck is you have to have the nuts because like by the time you get to whatever, four wins, five wins, you're facing other nuts decks. Yeah. All right, so we're going to be talking about Sealed all day today. First things first, we have a few housekeeping things to take care of. Talk about the Patreon page. Patreon.com slash Lords of Limited is where folks can go to give back to the show if they so choose. And honestly, the Arena Open is a great time to get in on the Patreon because you get access to the Discord, and that's just a great place to be able to for day one. Hey, here's my Sealed pool. What are people's thoughts? And everyone is there. You and I usually try and spend a few hours uh, doing tech support as long as, you know, one of us doesn't have like, have to do like five or six runs like we have done in the past sometimes before. Um, But it's a really, really great place to get feedback on those for those competitive events. Um, And just a a really fantastic community in general. And uh, a lot of other great things as you move up the reward tiers all the way up to the top tier of getting coaching sessions with me or Ben each month. And of course, we want to shout out our new patrons the first week they join. So this week, we are welcoming JP, Tyler, Peter and Graham. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We really appreciate your support. Yeah, we say it every week and cannot say thank you enough, but I, we really do mean it. The people yeah. that support us on Patreon are incredible and they are the lifeblood of the Lord's Limited community. For real. Show is also brought to you by Channel Fireball. Channelfireball.com, best place to go for anything and everything you need magic related until things transition to TCG Player. If you haven't heard the news, Channel Fireball was recently acquired by TCG Player. So we're still not quite sure how that's going to affect everything from a visualization perspective and where we're going to direct you and all that. But nothing should change for you listening to the show. And speaking of things that we want to direct you to do for the show, Channel Fireball has awesome seal product available right now. Baldur's Gate Commander Legends seal product, Double Masters seal product. You know, maybe you're thinking you want to stash a box of Double Masters for a draft down the road with friends. You can do all that over at ChannelFireball.com. In addition, they've got CFB Pro. I just wrote uh, an article that was breaking down a sealed pool, like walking through how I would build it and all that. And I know there's some other sealed content from other folks on CFB Pro. So if you want to get in some extra last minute prep for the Arena Open, you can consider signing up for that for five bucks a month or 10 bucks a month that you get back in store credit. So anything that you're doing over at Channel Fireball, please use code LOL, all caps, to let them know that we sent you over there. You forgot to mention my great article about why you should be drafting blue (laughs) in Alchemy Horizons, Ben. I did neglect to mention that. Oops. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry. Wow, savage. Uh, One last thing we want to announce is we are going to be rolling out. I actually haven't done this yet, but announcing it on the show will make me do it afterwards today. Uh, We're going to be rolling out a limited digest newsletter, and you can sign up for that on our website. It's just going to be free. And it's going to be a weekly newsletter that goes out that's going to point you to a bunch of different pieces of limited content. So like our podcast will be on there, obviously, limited resources, just a bunch of limited content. And you'll have links there to be able to click to go listen to the episodes and be sort of a summary of 
of you know what the limited landscape content for the week looks like. So made possible by uh, one of our Discord users, Man Space Tar, who started doing this as a Google Doc. And I was like, this would be. A- I-, I wanted us to do some kind of newsletter thing, but because we already do write a newsletter piece for CFB, it just felt like ah, we're kind of stretched thin. But this feels like a really cool idea, and I'm excited to be able to uh, to roll this out to uh, all you fine folks out there. I will say I got a test copy of this, and it is fantastic. You should go to the website, go sign up for real. Yeah, it's gonna be great. All right, so let's get into sealed, I think in general, and then specifics for what makes Alchemy Horizons Baldur's Gate sealed tick. Start us off, Ben. Thing number one, you're gonna sort by rarity. So on Arena, you're cracking open those six packs and you get to see those six rares immediately. If you're in paper doing sealed, I mean, obviously I think you wanna open your packs and then pull out the rares and see what you got. Yeah, and I think, you know, there is a, a sort of dopamine rush of like looking at the rares that you get, but also you want to be clocking information from them. Like I, when I look at my rares, um, I want to see, do I have any bombs and anything that I'm like, Ooh, I really want to try and play this if at all possible. And then I'm also looking at any overlap in colors. So like yesterday I opened Jan Jansen, Minskin Boo, Carlac, and champions of tear, which look like they're all over the place. But even in looking at those rares, I was like, well, if I could be red, white with a bunch of fixing, I can play all four of these good cards. And that was what I ended up doing. So, you you know, you're not just looking at the rares and being like, oh, did I hit the lottery or whatever? You want to be clocking like, okay, do I have bombs that make me want to play a color? Do I have overlap with these rares? And if not, you're really going to be looking at the commons and uncommons that you have to dictate what your pool is going to do. And yesterday I skillfully opened to our glass coven <laughs> and I made the deduction that, hey, I should play black. It was great. <laughs> yeah, you had two hour glass covens and then what the Raphael, right? The black red flying rare as well. Yeah. And in case I didn't have good red, I also had a copy of the the white two two that gives your whole hand plus one plus one to all your creatures. But luckily you just got a black red pre-con. You, you sent me the deck. You're like, any changes? I was like, nope. Enjoy your seven wins. <laughs> It was um, not quite that simple in the gameplay for what it's worth. No. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. So then beyond that, what are you doing after you sort by your rarity? Next thing I like to do is note all of the good uncommons. So I'm a huge fan. I know you don't do this, but I'm a huge fan of exporting to sealeddeck.tech, um, mm-hmm. which is a website that's created free of charge for you. Um you can export your sealed pool from Arena. So to do that, you like build your deck or put 40 cards in your deck and don't start the games. And then you add that deck to your decks on Arena, which will export your whole sealed pool to your deck. And then you go to Arena and you can export a text file that you import into sealeddeck.tech. And then you can manipulate your pool by sorting by rarity, sorting by color. And you can it's just a lot more functional way to build your pool. It's much similar to Magic Online. So it might hurt your eyes, but you can actually <laughs> move the cards around and see all of your cards at once, which for me is a big benefit. Well, and and being able to save multiple decks and then look at them side by side, which you can't do in Arena. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you could build them and screenshot them, I guess. But so the next thing I like to do once I've exported into sealed deck.tech and sorted by rarity is just go down the whole list of uncommons and much like I do with the rares, see if I got any of the premium commons. So see if there's any Rasads, you know, floating around or any Viconias, stuff like that that's really going to pull me into their colors almost as much as a rare would. Interesting. Yeah. My my second step after sorting by rarity and looking at the rares is then noting fixing, which you have next down the line. You want to be looking at your Myconids and your Pilgrim's Eyes, treasures are premium, and then Lantern, Prism, and Follow the Tracks, I would say, are tier two. Um, but Myconids and Pilgrim's Eyes are really premium. Those are like sealed pools that you're really excited about, and ones that don't have those, you're less excited about. 
Yeah, and that's a big deal because much like for the pool you opened, if you've got stuff that's pulling you in a lot of different directions but is splashable, if you've got the fixing, you can usually figure out a way to make it work without it being too painful on your mana base. I remember Strixhaven was such a like, you know, feast or famine in terms of sealed pools that had environmental sciences and sealed pools that didn't have environmental sciences. I really kind of feel that with Mykonid and Pilgrim's Eye. It's either, yes, yes, I have the ability to do this or no, I don't have the ability to do this at all. Well, you're just so much more able to play every good card you have. Like yesterday, because I had two prophetic prisms and a Pilgrim's Eye, I could just basically play whatever I wanted. And I got to just splat, like I splashed a Draconic Muralists just because I was like, this is a two for one and my mana is good enough that I can do this. Like, and I think that really just gives you a lot more flexibility. And if not, then you're really at the whim of, okay, I got to hope that I have two colors that give me a functional curve that have interaction, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of boxes you have to check. Right. So after you've noted all that stuff, I think the next step is to pull down your playables from each color, which would be cards that are like C plus or higher and not necessarily from like the 17 lands data, right? Because there's some cards that are good in draft that are not nearly as good in sealed. But you pull down cards that you're interested in playing from each color in your sealed deck and just kind of seeing which colors are the deepest. Yeah, I think that's really important. The next thing you want to do is check what colors your removal is in and whether you have splashable premium removal. So like, do you have Sewer Plague? Do you have Cast Down? Um, do you have Dragon's Fire? And I think Slash with Dragons um, to, to make that more than three damage, that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And we cannot say it enough. You have to be able to interact with your opponents in the sealed format. It is not optional to play a deck that doesn't have good interaction. I 100% agree. I mean, I mean, it's optional if you don't have it in your pool, but like that's uh, that's not going to get you very far, I think, in the arena open. And this is brought to you by the folks that made their whatever stake in the limited <laughs> community by saying the removal is overrated. You have to yeah. have good interaction. Yeah, you really, really do. So next up, after you're checking your removal, this is, I think, probably the most important thing. You need to check your double team creatures in each color and see what double team creatures you have available to you. Because for me, that is the defining feature of the sealed format. This, I, this cannot, I, there's so many things, you, you wrote up the show notes, so many things that I was just like, this cannot be stressed enough. And this is one of those points that cannot be stressed enough. You made this point two weeks ago, you just sort of dabbled in sealed a little bit and you were like, I think double team is like the thing. Like I was even like impressed by Ranger Squadron and I played two of those when I wouldn't have played them otherwise in one of my practice runs last week. And I was just like, yep, this is amazing. Like maximizing your double team is one of the most important things you can do in your sealed pools. Yes, 100%. And then lastly, I think you need to look at which colors are going to give you a functional curve because this sealed format is different from a lot of others in that the format is fast. We know that, right? And there are a lot of premium white and black commons. So people are going to open pools with great curves. More than any other sealed format, I have felt on the back foot a lot and under pressure a lot more quickly and vice versa. If I get one of those pools that I am able to pressure the opponent very effectively. So I don't think you need to go willy nilly thinking you have to build aggro or anything like that. But you need to have a solid curve and a plan against aggressively slanted decks because you're going to play against them. I think you need like at minimum five plays that affect the board before turn three, whether those are creatures, whether that's removal for your opponent's two drops, um, because so many of these two drops you have to answer immediately, right? The double team two drops like Rabble Rouser and Soldiers of the Watch, um, just really, really important to be able to somehow interact with those before turn three. Like, I, it didn't happen very often, but I wonder if this happened to you yesterday. If my opponent went land number two pass, I was like, am I just winning? 
<laughs> like, did I did I just win the game already? Because it really felt feels like missing a two drop in this format is pretty detrimental. Yeah, if your opponent plays Genasi Rabble Rousers and you don't kill it, you feel very far behind. Yeah. Oh my god, that card is so insanely good. <laughs> it's really ridiculous. Okay, so the types of pools you're likely to see. We we already sort of touched on this a little bit, but pools with no Pilgrim's Eyes or Underseller Mykonids, and caveat of Underseller Mykonid being that you have green as a playable color. Um, but so let's say you have no Pilgrim's Eyes and no Underseller Mykonids. These are rough. Hopefully you have enough playables to build just a straight up two color deck. If not, play whatever tier two fixing you have in order to have a functional mana base. Um, but I really think the former is what you're hoping for rather than the latter. You know, you were watching me build a pool on Friday on my stream. And for some reason... I am always drawn to if I have any inkling of it, there being a team or dragons deck <laughs> in my pool, I'm like, oh, I'm going to do this. And I think three times I've done that and it has worked out very poorly for me. And especially this time, even though I had all three of the signpost uncommons with Corlesa, I forget the red green one and uh, Lozon. Thrakus the Butcher or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't have any fixing. I think I had two follow the paths and that was it. And I was like, yeah, this will be fine. And it was very far from fine. So you really want to have a functional two-color deck. Even if you feel like you're leaving some power on the sidelines, I would go in favor of functionality and consistency over inconsistent but have some busted cards. I would just like to say both times I built black-white for those pools from Ethan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next type of pool you're likely to see is an aggressive pool. And I think these happen when you open a lot of the premium Mardu colored commons. So white, black, and red, some combination of those colors. And you should not be playing Mardu aggro, should be clear, like either white, black, or white, red, or red, black. And I don't know that you necessarily need to be aggressive, but these are going to be the pools where you're very likely to be proactive, have a lot of the great commons, and be two colors or two colors with a very light splash. Yes, agreed. And Aggro is a lot more prevalent in this sealed format than others. I think because of how premium a lot of the two drops are at common and how you know white has three two drops at common, plus the unicorn has a good one drop, you know, black has, you know, black's playing shambling gas and obviously it's playing prowler and red's playing, you know, hobgoblin captain and Janassi rabble rouser. And you've got the, the dragon barbarian thing, right? There's, there's a lot of options of two drops at common and that's not even looking at the uncommons like battle cry goblin or whatever so i think aggro and, and and as you said like it doesn't have to be like hyper aggro we're not talking about like constructed level stuff here um but you just have to have those two drops and that gives you the ability to be aggressive when you're on the play when the game dictates that or you're on the draw but your opponent doesn't play something on turn two then you can all, all of a sudden be like all right well i'm gonna be putting the pressure on this game right and i think as a result of that jamming a bunch of colors and late game like you always hear in sealed like be willing to play more colors you know play all your late game bombs that's not as reliable in this format as it normally is unless you can interact with your opponent early or you have a good curve to support you know those splashes in the late game you cannot afford to stumble in this sealed format. I think that's the clearest way to phrase it. You can't stumble. Yes. So that's, you know, less than optimal sealed pools. Pools with Pilgrim's Eye and Underseller Mykonid, plus the good late game cards that you want to splash, these are the most interesting and complicated to build pools 
and they're few and far between from what we've seen. I would say like having both of those, I, w- I would say honestly, the deck that I had yesterday was kind of an exception where I was like, oh, I have actually have the base two colors that overlap with all these good cards plus the fixing. And then it's about picking and choosing the right things to splash. I think people go, well, I can splash, so I should. That's not how, what that means. If you can splash, you also have to have the reasons to splash cards, right? Because splashing is an inherent risk to your deck. So you need cards that make up for that, whether they're two for ones or whether it's removal or whether it's bombs, whatever. Yeah. And I think another type of pool you're likely to see is just a normal two-colored pool. And I think these are really good when you get them. So don't sleep on just playing a two-color deck that isn't necessarily aggressive. You know, maybe you've got, you know, solid black, you've got solid green, you've got some Pilgrim's Eyes, you've got some Underseller Myconids, but you don't have the cards to splash or whatever. Just play black green, play your Pilgrim's Eyes, play your Underseller Myconids, and play all of your good cards that stand on their own. I think that's a totally fine place to be as well. I think you usually end up a little short on playables, like in my experience on two colored pools. But when you get there, if you get one of those pools that isn't black, white, white, red or red, black, those are the colors where it's most common because those are the deepest at common where you can get straight Mm. two colors, but be willing to do it with whatever blue, black. Sure. You get the cards, play it. Yeah, I faced the the one loss that I had yesterday was to a very good blue, black deck. Um, I do think that green is common to pair with either base white or black. I think you're really likely to end up one of those three colors as your base white black or green i feel like i feel like seeing like a base i mean that's just because like blue red is a very bad deck in this format and so you're very unlikely to end up base blue red which would exclude those three but those are the three colors that i think are sort of at the the heart of the sealed format yeah and i think if you are base white or black red's a really common color to pair with them if you can't pair white and black with each other i mean i faced a lot of white blacks yesterday um and i think Again, those are usually the the decks that are leaning more proactive. Yep, for sure. And as much as it pains me to say, blue is highly medium in sealed. Sometimes a splash, rarely a base color. I've been base blue for good blue rares or good gold uncommons when they touch blue and the main color that I know I'm going to be. So the other day, like, you know, I knew I was going to be black and I had Cridal, which we'll talk about later as being a really good card in sealed. Um, And so that was like, okay, well, maybe this is a good two drop. This is in one of the colors that I know I'm going to be. Let's see if I can compare blue effectively. Yeah, I think blue's fine. You should not be looking to do it, but don't write it off. For sure. But I, I did think it because I think blues commons are so junky and in draft, you know, you want to get into blue, not at common is what we say. It's harder to do that in sealed because, you know, you don't get to you don't get to just mine the packs for good uncommons and rares. You know, you you have the same number as everybody else. Yes, I think in general, there's a strong correlation between the number of blue cards you open and how <laughs> bad your sealed pool is. Yeah, for sure. All right, we're going to take a quick ad break, and then we'll be back with the do's and don'ts of the sealed format. Now, a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. As a listener of this podcast, you're no stranger to investing time into the things that matter most to you. Hobbies like magic are a great way to support an active and healthy brain. Taking care of your mind can be done in all sorts of ways, like using BetterHelp online therapy. Therapy is a great resource for the big hurdles in your personal life, like a breakup or struggling at work. But you don't have to wait for something big like that to come along to give therapy a shot. We think about our physical health on a daily basis, and our mental health should be no different. BetterHelp provides online therapy through a number of mediums, 
video, phone, and even live chat-only sessions, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's affordable, so you'll be doing right by your mind and your wallet at the same time. You can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours, and our listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com Lords. That's BetterHelp.com Lords. And now, back to the show. All right, Ben, do's of this sealed format. What's first? Do play all of your premium removal and be willing to splash premium removal if you need to. You have to be able to interact with your opponents. So when you say premium, what does that mean? I would say the top common removal on 17 lands, probably things like Dragon's Fire, Grim Bounty, Sewer Plague, Band Together, premium removal, like just stuff that is not highly conditional. Or highly right. expensive. Like, I'm not talking about Ferritus Fireball or Eyes of the Beholder. Those are tier two. Right. Yes, I agree. Agree with that completely. This cannot be overstated. But if you don't get interaction, like you're running Ferritus Fireball happily or you're running Spiked Pit Trap happily, you do need to be able to interact. Yes, you have to get stuff off the battlefield. <laughs> you just have to be able to do it. Uh, do play cards that stand well on their own without help from a certain game state. The sealed format has been a sort of back to bread and butter magic, right? Play good cards, interact with your opponent, and profit. I have done a lot of sealed deck techs over the past few days, and the biggest issue I see is that people's like 18th through 23rd cards are all D-level cards that I go, why is this in? Like, I hope to never play this. And they're like, well, I put it in because of this blah synergy, or I put this in because I just needed a two drop. But like, you should not i mean maybe for the two drop thing maybe 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 you can play some clunkers there just to have something to do on turn two but like you really just need all of your cards to stand on their own and ideally all of your cards are like c grade or higher in your sealed deck yes absolutely and on that same point you just need to play as many of your above average cards as you possibly can without stretching your mana too much in my experience the gap between the cards that really matter and the cards that don't matter that much is huge. Like the, the difference between a B and a C in this format is quite big. And if mm-hmm. you draw like three or four C's in a game, you just can't compete if your opponent is drawing, you know, C pluses or B minuses or whatever. Once you get to filler, it's really fillerish and it's really bad if you draw it. I agree. I agree completely. Do play as many double team creatures as you reasonably can. This stretches your opponent's removal to a breaking point where they have to spend it on your double team creatures or your bombs. I honestly, I I can't believe it took me this long to think about it like this, but I got a lot happier firing off whatever dragon's fire on soldiers of the watch because I was like, well, this is kind of killing two things, right? This like prevents them from drawing a second copy of this. If I just killed this right now, even though that kind of feels bad to use your premium removal on a two one, if like you don't have a plan for both of those things, if they're going to two for one, you, you got to just one for one with it. Yeah. And I think either way, whether they're spending their removal on your double team creatures or your bombs, you're going to be able to choke your opponent on removal, I think. And Mm -hmm. it, it cannot be overstated enough, like just how awesome double team is in general. And especially for sealed, like sealed, what do you want to do? You want to get card advantage. Double team says get card advantage while you're killing your opponent. Like it's so, so good. Every creature with double team, you should be trying to play. Like if you've got good fixing, you better believe I'm splashing lizard folk librarians. If I've got (laughs) enough, if I've got enough support for it and I need something on that curve, you know, if I need a four 
and I've got fixing that's going to let me cast Lizard Folk Librarians. Double team is that good. And the 4-2 haste is just unreal good in sealed. Yesterday, because I had that stupid mythic champions of tier. So that's the 4-3 flyer comes into play and you get this boon that says the next time you cast a creature, uh, it comes into play with your choice of flying, uh, plus and plus one counter or lifelink. Having that on turn four into Warriors of Tiamat on turn five as a hasty flyer and then both of them attack and they both double team and you're drawing more copies of those cards. Just unreal curve. Yeah. And even the two drops starting the game with, you know, something as simple as Soldier of the Watch or Genasi Rabble Rousers. You just are winning at that point and your opponent has to do something to turn the flow of the game around. Double team is so good in sealed and you have to be able to have your own and interact with your opponents. I don't even know if it's it's just sealed or if I've just been underrating this card. For a while, I was saying that I thought the Fire Beetles were like the worst double team card and they were still good, I thought. But I was very impressed by them in sealed in general. But yesterday specifically, I didn't have any in my deck. But every time they hit the battlefield, I was like, that's kind of going to be a problem. I feel the need to confess my one punt from yesterday to someone. So I'm going to get it out in the podcast here. <laughs> get it out to me and thousands of listeners. Great. Yes. What, yeah, what can so we do I, for you, Ben? I had giant fire beetles and uh-huh. my I had I had a copy because I stole my opponents with uh, incessant provocation or whatever it is. Isn't that so cool? It's really you can good. Steal, yeah. <laughs> you can steal a double team thing, attack with it, and then you get to conjure the copy into your hand. Yeah, it was very good. Yeah. Uh, so I had my they had their copy. I had my copy. My opponent also had a Lizelle on the battlefield, and I was like, great, I really want to force them to block with their fire beetles and we'll trade. So I chump attacked my fire beetles into my opponent's Lizelle and thing because they got to deal first strike damage first. Yeah. So my, my fire oh, beetles no. just died. It was bad. <laughs> that is, that's that's rough. Okay, well, thank you for confessing your sins. Um, <laughs> do play a deck with a good curve. The prevalence of aggressive decks means you can't get away with not affecting the board early. Good two drops are just so necessary for this sealed format, and they're going to show up, but they should be dictating your build a lot more than you think. But this is good two drops. So, for example, something like Dawnbringer's Cleric or whatever it's called, the one white, one three that lets you gain two life. Your opponent has to blow up an enchantment or whatever. I don't even know what else that does. It's not playable in sealed. It just is not worth enough of a card like even if you've got some life gain synergies if you've got some celestial unicorns or whatever don't do it like you just can't put a card that's that low impact in your sealed deck right i mean like there are obviously going to be exceptions to this you know if you if you have a busted white pool otherwise but you just like need two drops sure you can play dawnbringer cleric but we're not talking about these are the cards that are dictating we're talking about the the ones that have double team like rabble rouser and soldiers we're talking about guild sworn prowler um you know putting honorary two drops like shambling ghast or steadfast unicorn in there as well just like things that impact the board before turn three yeah and obviously the premium uncommons like Viconia or jahira things like that are just insane and sealed yes last one here you know it's always a question for choose to be on the play or the draw for sealed you should choose to be on the play in this sealed format if you have the choice, if you're in best of three. Double team snowballs so well for either you or your opponent that you you just cannot ever choose to be on the draw in this format. Yeah, I, I you have here maybe if you have three or four dragon's fires. So first of all, even if you have those, I don't think so. I just think like you, you can't afford. I honestly can't remember the last sealed format where it was correct to be on the draw. I can. I like choosing to be on the draw in sealed. Well, we, we all make mistakes. Then. <laughs> All right, and that segues us over to the don'ts of the sealed format quite nicely. Yeah. First off, don't write off blue. 
It's not going to be a main color often, but when you open the good uncommons and rares, it can certainly pair well with another good color. And I think paying attention to those signpost uncommons as well, because blues are all pretty good. Cridal, OG, Lozon, and Corlesa, those are all good cards. Yes, absolutely. And I would just like to let our listeners know that I wrote that point in our show notes, so you can be assured of its authenticity. That's not just Ethan's nonsense memes. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Next, don't. Don't stretch your mana too much without good fixing. Stumbling this format is a huge disaster thanks to double team and the prevalence of the white, black, and red aggressive creatures. Don't spend your removal on non-bombs or double team creatures to push damage unless you are certain you are closing the game out in a hurry. Your removal, I was definitely feeling this like choke point yesterday of like, as I was firing off removal spells, I just like knew, okay, I only have like four or five of these in my deck. And as I'm firing them off, or as I, you know, I have two in my hand and now I only have one in my hand, I'm very aware of like, am I saving this for something? Is pushing this four damage to get my opponent from 12 to eight really how I'm going to win the game? Or is it disastrous if they play something impactful that I then have to kill and I can sort of be at parity for a little while? You really have to be thoughtful about what you're using your removal on. Yes, and I think it needs to be for winning the game if it's not a bomb or it's not a double team creature. Like, it's that important to be able to stop your opponent's double team creatures. Yeah, and just to be clear, when we're saying killing a double team creature, we mean before it attacks. Yes, after that, you are not not (laughs) as interested in using removal on it, for sure. Exactly. Don't try to build a reactive deck. I think you should include good removal, but in general, you want to have a proactive plan that involves attacking your opponent with double team creatures. I love this point. Building a reactive deck, I think, is a recipe for disaster. Or even thinking about your deck as being reactive is kind of a disaster. If you have this mindset of like, I'm a control deck, it's like, but why? Like, just because you have a good curve, you have a good curve, you have good removal you should be proactive. You should be, you know, responding to your opponent's stuff while you're pressuring them rather than waiting for them to shoot first type deal. I I really think you just want to be doing your thing, thinking about your deck as acting, not reacting. I think that's different from this sealed format for most sealed formats. I think most sealed formats, you could say, you know, do you want to play an aggro deck or do you want to play a control deck? I would say sign me up for a control deck in most sealed formats. I would sign up for an aggro deck in this format. Yeah, I mean, if I could get a good red-white double-team deck... Oh my gosh. I I recorded the most insane sealed <laughs> match for Channel Fireball. <laughs> I cannot wait for folks to see this on YouTube. I It was like the nuttiest, nuttiest red-white aggro deck on my opponent's side of the battlefield, and we had the most epic three games. But like, I, yeah, that deck, I was like, ooh, if I could have that deck every time, yes, please. That has to be like the best red-white aggro deck, I would think, is the best deck in the format. Question mark? I, I would prefer white black or red black myself. Oh, interesting. Okay, okay. But I mean, all three of them are very good. I'm, I'm sure red white is the best aggressive deck. Like if you're talking about hyper aggression, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Don't play random card draw spells. Ambitions cost. Contact other plane. They're just not going to cut it. When you tap out to draw cards and your opponent draws cards by attacking you, the opponent who's drawing cards by attacking you is winning. Yes, absolutely. And you're likely to be behind for something like Ambition's Cost. I think you can get away with it a little bit more if you have a great curve. Like, it's not terrible if that's your 23rd card or something, but they're not a pull to those colors at all, much like they would be in other sealed formats. And a lot of that, honestly, is because of how bad blue is, right? Like, normally the sealed recipe is counter spells get better, card draw gets Mm. better, all that stuff. But you just, it doesn't work that way because of double team, right? You just can't ever afford to 
not affect the board when your opponent has the option to get card advantage by attacking you and you are not taking advantage of that option. Like it just pushes out so many of the things that are normally good in sealed. Right. Because you're just because people are playing so many good two drops, your counter spells are so it's so difficult for your counter spells to get under them right in time where they can just affect the board early with a double team two drop or something like that. And then you're like spending the whole game figuring out how do I deal with that and stop them from putting more bad stuff on the board, you know? I mean, you can do it. My one loss was to a very good Sultai control deck um, that then after they knew I was aggro, sighted into a very good straight blue-black deck. I think personally I would have done it the other way around. I think I would have started blue-black and then sighted into Mm. the Sultai go over the top deck. But either way, I mean, it's out there. You can do it. But I think you really need the rares and you really need good uncommons. And even then, it's still dangerous. Like I ended up winning the match against another opponent that had a very similar deck just because, you know, they had to hold up Counterspell for my... Uh, coven, whatever the card's called. What's that called? Ceaseless Coven? No? This Cir- is your rare? Hour- hourglass Coven. There we go. We got you there. You had two of them all day yesterday, <laughs> and you don't know what the card is? It's just like stupid cheater black rare in my head. It doesn't have a name. <laughs> stupid it's, cheater it's white a, rare is Lysel, and stupid it's, cheater it's black a, rare is... It just says, oops, I win on it for yeah, Ben. Yeah, but uh, I had another opponent that just had to hold up Counterspell for that card, and then I killed them with my double team cards. Like, eventually, they mm-hmm. just couldn't do that, right? Yeah, for sure. And the last point here is don't play vanilla one toughness creatures if you can help it many of your opponents are going to be playing their underseller myconids their shambling ghasts and every copy of pilgrim's eye that is getting opened in sealed is being played like just even in your two color decks i'm pretty sure everyone's playing pilgrim's eyes so i think that you really don't want to be playing those like whatever hobgoblin captain i think is not great the three one that gives you the boon with plus one plus oh for your next creature not great i think if you can help not playing those you're better off Yes, I agree. All right, on to some individual card evaluations that go up in sealed. First up is Guardian Naga. This is the seven mana five six that has uh, all damage that's dealt to it on your turn is prevented. And then it's also an adventure that has two and a white instant destroy target artifact or enchantment exile, actually. Excuse me. Yeah. So in my experience, Guardian Naga has been great to be able to interact with artifacts and enchantments. You have to be careful, like you can't fire it off on treasure or whatever, or your opponent can just like kill your card. I did that once for the first time and was very <laughs> sad when my opponent sacrificed their treasure in response. Once you get that out of the way, I think you're just happy to have a way to interact with a random artifact or an enchantment. Plus the body is relevant in the late game. So I think all told, you're fine with a copy of this in your white decks. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think the body is super duper relevant for sure. Very hard to interact with for some decks. Next up is Ice Wind Stalwart. This is a three and a white for the three three. When it enters the battlefield, you can blink a non warrior creature you control. It's pretty darn good if you have the blink targets. And like, think about the kinds of cards. It, there's sort of a snowbally effect. Like, think about the kinds of cards you're very incentivized to play. You know, Priest of Ancient Lore, Pilgrim's Eye, Underseller Mykonid, all of these things. These are good cards to blink and so i think uh icewind stalwart definitely gets there ranger squadron that's the four white white for the three fourth flying and double team this card is a beater in sealed like this is borderline like b status in sealed like you want to play white if you have ranger squadrons yeah the card is really really good another really good white card is steadfast unicorn single white for the one two and then has the three and a white on your turn you can anthem your team and give them vigilance i mean mana sinks are a premium this affects the board very well bonus points if you're aggressive but like if you're building decks the way we're telling you to build your decks which is with a good curve even if you're not hyper aggressive unicorn's gonna be good yeah it's good in draft it feels better in sealed yeah demogorgon's clutches this is two and a black your opponent discards two mills two and loses two life 
you're not looking to run this, but it's not embarrassing to have as your 23rd card in a black deck or something. I have been really impressed by this, both from my opponents and against my opponents. I have really liked this card. The thing that started to click for me, the reason every time it got cast against me, I was like, man, this stinks, is because lands also matter because of specialize. Like every piece of cardboard matters because you're like, well, I wanted to discard this later to this thing, but I can't now because I'm down to resources. So do you think you're actively looking to include it in black decks at this point? Yeah, that's tough. I don't think I know. I don't think I'm <laughs> actively. I don't think I'm actively looking to run it. But I think it, before when I was like dragging down my black cards that I would think are playable, I would have left it up top. And now I'm bringing it in for sure. That makes sense. Uh, unexpected windfall. This is two red red uh, as an additional cost to cast it, discard a card and you draw two cards and make two treasure. You're, again, you're not looking to run it like it's not a reason to play red. But you can do it in a pinch, and I think gets better. Like, you know, the more red as a base color is interesting to you, the more bombs you have that you're interested in digging towards, the more fixing you need. Like, our treasures worthwhile for you? All of that stuff is going to make Windfall good for you. Yeah, just don't sleep on big score. Next up is Ettercap. There's a lot more dragons running around. So, Ettercap is the four and a green for a two five with reach, and then the adventure side is two and a green destroy target creature with flying. This has targets, and I think if you're playing green, you should be including Ettercap, unless your curve is just absolutely glutted at the top of the curve. Next up, we've got Alora Rogue Companion. This is the specialized uncommon. It's three and a blue for a three-two. Whenever you attack, you can choose a creature uh, to get unblockable until end of turn. If you do that, uh, you return it to your hand at end of turn. This is a great splash if you've got the ETBs. There's a lot of ifs here, but if you have any of the battlefield stuff, if you have the good fixing, this can be much like the next card on our list. This can just randomly win games for you. Speaking of the next card on our list, those random Cridles, though. Yeah, Cridle of Baldur's Gate. This is blue-black for the 1-3. Whenever you attack, you can pay two uh, to give a creature unblockable until end of turn. And if Cridle connects, uh, your opponent mills one and loses a life, and you gain a life and scry. Uh, Yeah, I mean, just like this unblockable Lockable nonsense you just like randomly can go oh, okay you're just dead like this this plus uh Saravok is so awesome just giving something keyword large and then also unblockable that's a real way to win games and a lot of these things because we're talking about how much removal is a choke point like when you have a card like Cridal, your opponent's going to have to kill it at some point if they're not killing you um same thing with steadfast unicorn your opponent's gonna have to deal with that derpy one drop common at some point and they've only got what, four removal spells, five removal spells, maybe. So when you stretch their removal on your double team stuff and on your little one drops and your two drops, that also makes way for your, if you've got the bombs, that they can, they're more likely to stick on the battlefield as well. Yeah, Cradle's outstanding. It's a pull into blue black. My one, we were talking about it even before the MCQ. And then my match loss yesterday was to a random Cradle making stuff unblockable. <laughs> yeah, it was very, very impressive for me in my uh, my qualification play in deck. Really, really good. Next up is Baleful Beholder. This is the four black black for the six five. And when it ETBs, you can either give your team menace or force your opponent to sacrifice an enchantment. Yeah, I just think, you know, you're going to have a lot of top end. You will have no shortage. It's, it's a dragon's set. You will have no shortage of things that cost six mana to put in your deck but folks are playing a lot of enchantments and i wouldn't you know if you're going to be playing best of three on day one maybe you don't include this in the main deck but definitely keep your eye on it from the sideboard similarly out of the sideboard in black i have really liked hook horror this is four and a black for the three three and then when it dies uh it comes back with a minus one minus one counter on it uh if its power was one or greater so it comes back as a two two and then it dies again comes back as a one one and then it's dead forever 
the best aggressive decks have trouble with this card. You know, this can this can trade with something, and then it trades with the first warriors of Tiamat. Um, against aggressive double team decks, it's a good way to combat those. Yeah. Next up is Recursion. So Druidic Ritual, Ghost Lantern, Summon Undead. Either ways to get creatures from out of the graveyard to your hand or straight back to the battlefield in the case of Summon Undead. The better your card quality is, the better these cards get. But like, for example, you know, we're talking about having your cards stand on their own. If you have all good cards in your deck and these cards are all returning good cards yeah. by uh, the transitive property of equality, <laughs> these are therefore good cards, right? Yeah, I agree. Uh, next up is Manticore. This is three and a black for the two one flyer with flash. And when it enters the battlefield, you can destroy a creature that was dealt damage this turn. This can combo with your cheap plays if you're short on removal. Like I'm not looking to play this if I've got, you know, Grim Bounties or Sewer Plagues or whatever. But if I have pulls into black otherwise and I'm short on removal, I have not been disappointed with Manticore. I got got by Manticore pretty savagely yesterday. For some reason, I don't know that I had internalized that this card had flash. Like <laughs> I, I always see it used on attacks, right? Like you attack and then your opponent blocks and you Manticore. Like just Manticore in tandem with Pilgrim's Eye. Like it's very difficult for your opponent to attack you if you're holding up mana when you've got Pilgrim's Eye on the battlefield, right? Because you can block anything, a flying creature, and then all of a sudden Manticore is pseudo-ish removal. Yeah. Uh, I think I do think Manticore is a lot more serviceable and sealed. Next up, Skanos Dragon Vassal. The Clunker himself. This is, I think, much better in sealed. It's wild how much better it is in sealed. Well, so first of all, Skanos Dragon Vassal's blue side just randomly wins games, right? You just flip it to the flying side, give something plus four, plus O, oh, and flying. You just can attack in for like 12 randomly in the air but like i just think all the specialized cards are better in sealed if they're good in draft they're better in sealed if they're kind of medium in draft they're better in sealed like i just think it's something to do with your mana it, it feels like it's not like a two for one obviously because not all of them give you that much value on the backside but i just like them all and i think scanos really impresses me keyword big yeah that card it comes down on the battlefield i have not played it yet but my opponents have played it a couple times and i'm like wow i need to kill that now <laughs> yeah for real uh next up is thieves tools this is maybe going to be controversial but this is one of the black for the equipment when it enters the battlefield you make a treasure it has an equipped cost of two and the equipped creature can't be blocked if it has power three or less you do need to want everything from this card you have to be base black you have to have reasons to splash or care about the treasure and good stuff to sneak through whether you're for some reason playing horde robbers or something or i think my favorite card to equip this to is battle cry goblin sneak that in and then get to pump it a bunch or maybe a, a sepulcher ghoul that you can sneak in and then sacrifice something to make it bigger but but any and all that stuff i, I think if you check all those boxes these tools is worth playing yeah, I think it is playable, not necessarily yes. worth playing if you have better options. Like, for example, I played sure. a copy yesterday in my black red deck because it ramped me towards Coven and all I needed to do was cast Coven. Plus, I had, you know, a good curve of two drops and three drops. I think it it did enough there because I had good cards to support it. Right. Lastly, we've got you line up the shot. This is a fine 23rd playable over something that just doesn't impact the game. So this is the the green and you choose one of three, either draw a card, conjure a plummet or conjure a naturalize into your hand. And so I think this is a fine main deck inclusion, for example, over something like the Basilisk, the one two death touch or circle of the moon druid, like the, the two and a green two four that switches into a four two. Those cards just aren't good enough to impact the game. So you'd rather have something that either digs you towards your better cards or 
can do something awesome, like blow up your opponent's dragon or, you know, interact with their bomb rare enchantment, you know? Right. Yeah, exactly. All right. Those those are the goods. Those are the goods. Here's the bad and the ugly. The cards that get worse in sealed. We've already talked about one toughness creatures without double team. I think even in aggro decks. And I'd lump Nefarious Imp in here, too. This is the two and a black two one. Whenever a permanent you control leaves the battlefield, um, you scry one. Again, just like Pilgrim's Eye looks at that card and laughs at it. And I think you really don't want to be put in that position. Yes. Chain Devils up next. This is three to black for the four two. And when it ETBs, each player sacrifices a creature. This kind of has the same issue as those X ones because everybody's playing their Pilgrim's Eyes and their Myconids. So they're going to have sacrifice fodder most likely. Yeah. Uh, next up is Minimus Containment. Alex will rejoice here. This is two and white for the enchantment. Enchant non land permanent and they turn it into a treasure. Ramping and fixing your opponent in sealed is a big yikes. I do not think Minimus Containment is good. But you have to be able to interact. I mean, it's still playable, right? It's playable, but like, I don't know, you, you, the situations where you want to play white and you're pairing it with another color and you don't have interaction, sure, I guess so, but that's a lot of ifs. Yes. Grim Wanderer is up next. This is one in a black for the 5-3 with Flash, and you can only cast it if a creature died this turn. You said you've been disappointed with it. Talk to me. I just like felt like it was stuck in my hand a lot. Like there, I think I just like tricked myself into thinking, well, I need to play two drops and like you put this in your two drop slot, but it's not a two drop. Like you're never firing this off on turn two. The three power, the three toughness trades down a lot. I mean, not down on mana, but trades down in terms of like card quality a lot. I I don't know. I just found this card to be very, very clunky. Yeah, it's definitely not a two drop. I think you want sacrifice outlets like Deadly Dispute and Sepulcher Ghouls before you're happy with it. Yeah, right. Wanting waste. It's just like it, that's a, a hard. Those are hard boxes to check in sealed. It's like, well, do I have the sacrifice fodder? Do I have the sacrifice outlets? And now is am I short playables enough that I want Grim Wanderer? I think a lot of that. I think I don't know. It just feels like a lot has to go right. Sort of like with Minimus Containment. Yeah. This is this I just put on here. Cards that get worse in sealed. Dragon synergy. I'll say again, I've tried to build team or dragons like three times and it comes up short every time. I mean, Miram is terrifying, though. Yes, yes. Miram is very terrifying. Ward two is like so relevant on that card. Yeah, it's very hard to kill. And even like something like Sewer Plague, like it's on the battlefield for two turns or something, you know, so your opponent can still pop off with dragons i faced a very good mirror deck yesterday that i barely beat yeah you like had already lost in your mind you messaged me you were like "Ugh, losing to a mirror deck right now and then you were like oops oops i won <laughs> <laughs> yeah coven will do that you know yeah yeah for sure uh next up young red dragon this keeps showing up in sealed deck text that i've done on stream and i don't get it this is the three and a red three two flyer can't block and it has the adventure for one and a red make a treasure this is bad in draft too, but people seem to love this card in seal. It gets the justification of something to do on turn two, or I care about the treasures, or I thought I had dragon synergies. Like, no, just please don't put this in your deck. It's so weird. I have such a roller coaster with this card because <laughs> I have yet to cast it in the format, draft or sealed. But every time my opponents do it, I'm like, huh, that's kind of a problem. And then it never is. Like, <laughs> it just never yeah, is a problem. I always, there we go. My okay. reaction is always like, oh, this is kind of bad for me, but it never is bad for me. <laughs> Next up is Cobalt Warcaller. This is red for the 1 1 that can tap to give a creature in your hand haste perpetually. I think this is the type of card that is really good in draft that gets significantly worse in sealed, right? You have to have yeah. a lot of double team creatures low on the curve before you're interested in this because a one mana one one is just not worth a card in sealed. And then, yes. you know, your opponents line up the removal against your things. It, you just have to have a lot to go right. So if your deck looks like a draft deck, 
by all means, include Cobalt Warcaller. But your deck really needs to look like a draft deck with double team creatures before you're putting Cobalt Warcaller in your sealed deck. Like, for example, I was red-black yesterday, and I, I did not have Cobalt Warcaller in my deck. Right. I mean, it's effectively like an, an equipment or something, like or an aura that like gives all your stuff haste. But at the end of the day, like as you said, if you can fire off removal or line up your stuff effectively against everything else... Then at the end of the day, you've you've mulliganed effectively because you're just left with this one one. Right. Last on this list is Underdark Basilisk. This is one in a green for a one two with death touch. Sure, sometimes you have to play this for your curve, but planning to block against double team is laughably bad in this format. Like, what are you going to do? Trade with Soldiers of the Watch? Trade with Janassi Rabble Rouser? It's pretty bad. Like, or even something as simple as Guild Sworn Prowler just laughs at Underdark Basilisk. The one in a black two one. Yes. That, you know, if it dies anytime other than it's blocking, you get a draw a card. Like Underdark Basilisk is terrible against those cards. Anytime my opponents played Underdark Basilisk, I just was mentally cheering. Well, because it's so funny because Underdark Basilisk plays defense, right? That's what it's supposed to do. And we just said that it's not good against aggressive decks because aggressive double team decks laugh at it blocking. And every other deck is like, cool, I'm not being pressured. Like if my opponent's too... My opponent's turn to play as Basilisk, I'm like fist pumping. That feels like they've effectively missed their two drop. Right. Well, and that speaks volumes about what the sealed format is like, right? Because normally that's the type of card that would pull its weight in the two drop slot in a sealed format. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. Like usually you'd be like, oh, sick. I have this one, two death touch in green where I'm like, just need to hold the ground and ramp or whatever. It's like, no, no one cares about this card. Right. Like Underseller Myconid stabilizes you infinitely better than Underdark Basilisk does. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's sort of like gr- Green's big problem, I think. I mean, Mike and it's very good, but all three of its two drops kind of aren't. Like, I think the best one is the Nurturer, but like you have to have the good stuff to ramp into because that's got like the Cobalt Warcaller problem where you're like, at the end of the day, I'm left with an O2 and that's not good. Yeah, I don't think Nurturer is particularly playable in Sealed. I don't either, but like, I don't really want to play Null Hunter in non-aggressive decks. Like, I, I don't I don't like any of Green's two drops. I agree. I think Null Hunter is the best for me. Yeah. All right. That's that's fair. All right. That takes us to our last little category here, which is common cards that you're going to be playing around in sealed. Uh, first up here is Dread Lenorm. So this is the big bad seven mana, seven, six can't be blocked by creatures with power three or less, but its adventure is three in a green, put two plus one plus one counters on target creature, untap it and it gains hexproof until end of turn. I shout out to me. I <laughs> played around this card beautifully yesterday like read my opponent like a book for it and then spent like the next three turns lighting four mana on fire for them and then they finally had to fire that off plus the wild shape trick to kill one of my champions of tier nice <laughs> it's like okay great we got there we got there um so i, I definitely think like dreadlinorm is good obviously this is a good effect but it's it is like in draft it's easy to read and to play around i think well and i think but you should just also in sealed if your opponent is green like they have a dreadlinorm like they're they're going to be a color for a reason in sealed right so i think you need to think about what the good cards in those colors are to play around and in green it's dreadlinorm like i also had several matches yesterday where my opponents had dreadlinorm and i played around the trick really well and made it a lot more awkward for them to try to get value out of it. And if your opponent gets too stuck on getting value out of it, you you actually are the person that's getting value, you know, like as the right. defender against Dreadlinorm. So just if your opponent has green, assume they have Dreadlinorm, I think, and play around it accordingly. Yeah. Next up, we've got Deadly Dispute. This is one in a black for the instant as an additional cost to cast it, sacrifice an artifact or a creature, and you get to draw two cards and make a treasure token. 
Like, if your black opponent is tapped out, just kill their thing. Don't wait for them to untap and wait for combat because it feels so bad when you try to kill their thing and then they get to cast Deadly Dispute. Yeah, and I would say just as an addendum to that, in general, just be careful of firing off removal into open mana because of things like Dreadland Orb, Deadly Dispute, Blur. Like Your opponents are trying to set up things, if they can, where they play a card that you have to kill with a way to protect it, you know? So just mm-hmm. know that that's going on. And sometimes you can't do anything about it, but just if you're aware of it, you're much less likely to get blown out, I think. Ben put this list together. It's common cards to play around in sealed. The next the next bullet point is Blessed Hippogriff slash Patriarch's Humiliation. Good sir, how do you play around <laughs> these cards? Like, they're just so insanely good. Yeah, I mean, just have them on your radar, I, I think. <laughs> just, just recognize that they exist and that they're going to absolutely destroy you. Okay, will do. Yeah, I mean, yeah. but you can, I think if you suspect that your opponent has Blessed Hippogriff, try to avoid getting into combat with them, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's It's so hard because, like, Though they can, it can be one or the other. I mean, it could be both sometimes too, but like be one or the other. And it's so hard to like the things that you want to do to play around one are different than the things you want to do to play around the other. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Speaking of more green cards, we've got band together here. It's just a good removal spell, but your green opponents are going to have band togethers in their deck. So what can you do to try to make their life miserable if they have band together? Do you have your own instant speed interaction? That sort of stuff. Yeah. Dragon's fire out of red, you know, just the good cards. If your opponent's red, they're going to have dragon's fires. I think that's the the point I want to hammer home more than anything else. It's a really good point. Like this, this, this deductive reasoning of, okay, they're playing these colors what cards would I need to have other than like, whatever, you don't have to then be like, well, they could have these bombs, obviously. But like, they also are going to have a functional deck. So what cards are in their pool that give them a functional deck? These are the kinds of cards that are going to show up. Yeah. And I think lastly, you need to be anticipating double team creatures from your opponent. Like, how bad is it for me if my opponent slams a double team creature here? Can I kill it? Especially Warriors of Tiamat, like red decks should be playing every copy of Warriors of Tiamat that they have, I think. Personally, someone tweeted a deck at us the other day. They were like, which of these two decks should I be playing? And they were red, white in one of them and had a double team creature in the side. I was like, no, no, no. Get that in there, please. Like, do not leave double team creatures on the sidelines if they're in your colors. And even if they're not in your colors, try and get them in there. All right. Any parting advice for sealed before we go here? No, may you open as many covens and lazels and face none of them. And I think really like double team. Double team is the thing. Like a lot of these points that we're hammering home in this episode can be applied to many sealed formats, but there are some very specific things about uh, HBG sealed that I I really want to hammer home and double team is top of that list. Right. I would say if you can build a deck that looks like a draft deck, like that has a good curve, has removal, has bombs, like that's what you're supposed to be trying to do. The, The closer you can get your deck to look like a draft deck in the sealed format, I think the better off you are, have to play double team, have to play removal have to save your removal for your opponent's double team creatures. And other than that, like the sealed pools are generally not super complex to build, I found. Like you're just trying to find the spot where you're playing the most good cards and have a good curve. And there's not a lot of building like the three, four, five color nonsense like there is in other formats. It's just straightforward your good cards and then you got to play good magic too yeah you really you really are rewarded for tight play i think and and i really do want to hit that point again of like try and get your 18th to 23rd cards to be good really don't put filler in those spots because if you draw those in a clump you're just gonna lose those games yes 100 all right good luck in day two buddy
Yes, you as well. And good luck to everybody that's jamming the arena open. Tweet your pools at us, tweet your victories at us, and we'll celebrate together. Yeah, sounds good. Great place to wrap us up. Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Thank you so much to ChannelFireball.com for sponsoring this podcast. If you're heading over to CFB for any and all purchases or signing up for CFB Pro to read those sweet, sweet articles about drafting Blue and HBG, please use code LOL when you check out to let them know we sent you there. You can check us out streaming. I'm at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. Ben is at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. Mr. is spelled out. We're both under those same usernames on Twitter, and you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later. You going first? We doing it at the I'll same go, time? How I'll, are we doing? I'll go, I'll go. I'll go first. I'll go first. Qualifier day two. <laughs> Open. What's the pause? Uh. Well. Okay. So the good news is Snowborn Simulacra. Though I don't even know if that's good news because it's blue. This is not great. I have Wand of Orcus, Frangline, Snowborn, Sworn to the Legion, Blood Money, and Alondo. Yeah, not that's great. Not, I mean, that's like, not great. Sworn to the Legion, Wand of Orcus could do work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, these cards are, yeah, these, this is not great. I mean, honestly, though, you would rather have a good curve of the good commons, though, wouldn't you? I guess. I I don't know. I think if I could choose to sign up for a bomb or, like, a great curve of commons, I would sign up for a great curve of commons. I just, I didn't see any, like, great curve of commons decks on Twitter <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> That's true. Right, like, but you saw decks with a great curve of commons and bombs. You didn't see decks with like wonky looking things and then bombs. Yeah, I mean, my deck was pretty wonky. <laughs> your deck was pretty wonky. <laughs> All right, your turn. All right, time for time for double coven again. Day two, open. Wait for it. Eh, not as good as yesterday, but good. So okay. I've got Oya Minartok Polar Werebear. Okay, got Wanty Scale Shield, which is a dud. Grim Hireling, pretty oh. good. Horn of yeah. Valhalla, really good. Yeah. Altar of Ball, pretty darn good. And yeah. Karlak, Raging Tiefling. Which one is that? The two no, drop. Oh, that's, that's, that's my boy. That was, I, that card was great for me yesterday. Yeah. Two drop first striker. So. So wait, so what do you have? Red, but that's like all over the place, right? One red, like, two good black, and Oya Minartok. Like, and and then, green. Yeah, and then white. All over the place. Definitely not playing oh. all of them, but yeah. we've got outs to hit deep colors of commons. All right, all right, all right. That's fair. That's fair. All right. All right. Best of luck to you and best of luck. (laughs) We'll be reporting back that we are going to be mythic championship competitors.